today on It's Time. Let no one deceive you. He doesn't say this to the world. Otherwise, Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. So turn there in your Bible and join Pastor Mike. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 John chapter 3. Years ago, a band called The Who wrote a song called, Who Are You? I think that's a pretty good question because we have so many voices today that try to tell us who we are. And unless you know who you are, you will find yourself believing the lie of the world. The lie of the world goes through and says, you are what you do, but that is not what the Bible says. The Bible says you are dearly beloved from your Father in heaven. And that's what we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would come now in a special way to every person listening in this room across America and around the world, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and remind us and confirm to us who we are in Jesus' name. And so, Father, as we spend this time in the study of your word, we ask you now that we would not only just hear these words, but that we would remember these words. They would go deep into our souls and transform us and cause us to be more like you. And so now, as we read your word, may you anoint it. May your Holy Spirit, who wrote it, re-inspire every one of us by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 3 of 1 John, and again, we remember as we've been studying, he said, these things are written that you would know how much God loves you. Now, the book of John, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's a reason why God writes his word, and I think that's always good to look at. In fact, if we want to go back, verse 24 of the preceding chapter, it says, Therefore, let that abide in you which we've heard from the beginning. Let that abide in you. The word led is an action word that requires my ability to yield to God. I have to let God do what he wants to do in my life. I love that about God. God doesn't strong arm us, you know, get us in a half Nelson's on our wrestling match and say, okay, buddy, you're going to do it my way. God doesn't do that. What God does is he presents the truth and then shows us through his word the blessing of doing it his way and the curse of doing it our way. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why we want to do it God's way. We lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Again, this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Well, we find in chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, And this means, in the original language, to really set back and study and get it. 
There's a lot going on here is what John is saying. Behold, hey, look at that. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Now notice it says, behold what manner of love the Father. The Father is the originator of the love, okay? The word bestowed means he is given to us. And in the, in the, uh, the text here, we really see that it isn't really hinged upon me doing a lot of really good religious things and God saying, oh, hey, you're a cool dude. I'm going to bless you with some love. The Bible simply says, I'm going to bestow, I'm going to give to you love, the author of love, I'm going to give to you. And why is that? That we should be called the children of God. That's who you are. You're a child of God. Now remember that because, again, he says, behold. Why do I need to behold that? Well, I need to behold it in many different times. I need to behold it when the devil comes and throws guilt. I need to behold that when the trials of life come, because there's going to be a lot of trials that we will go through, and I always have to behold the love that God has for me. I need to behold that when I am persecuted. And friends, persecutions will come if you love God, and you have to remind yourself, build yourself up in the most holy faith, who you are, and this is one of the reasons why this happens to you. That we're the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know him. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? They don't know your dad, and they don't know you. Why is that? Because you're of a different nature, the Bible says. When you become born again, you morph into something else than what you were. The Bible says before we come to Christ, we're lost and dead in our sins. When we come to Christ, the Bible says we become alive in the Spirit. Verse 2, beloved, and by the way, that's who you are. You're beloved. You always need to know you're loved by God. Well, God, if you love me so much, why am I going through the trial I'm going through? Now, let me tell you something. Some people think, well, the older you get in the Lord, the more you're not going to have issues in your life. You know, you just kind of go from glory to glory, cloud to cloud, yeah. The truth of the matter is, I find the longer you walk with the Lord, the more dedicated you are to God, the more the devil tries to drag you off to the side and somehow try to tell you that you're not loved. Well, here John is writing, beloved now. And when is it? It means right now. We are the children of God. Not that we're going to be the children of God, but we are the children of God. This is what the Bible talks about, the assurance of salvation. And again, this is, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we read these next few verses, because it talks about a person who has been regenerated by the Spirit of God. You're now a different person. Now, you can take a dog, and you can take any animal, and you can move them out of their circumstance, but it won't be long before they go back and be what they are. The Bible says you're now a new creature in Christ. The things that used to sustain you, 
The things that used to give you your identity before you came to Christ will no longer feed your soul. In other words, partying, stealing, doing all the junk that we all once did before we came to Christ. Now that you're a new creature in Christ, those things are meaningless in your new relationship with God. It's like, in other words, going from a dog to a human being. Dogs can eat anything they find on the street, under a rock, or anywhere else. You're a new nature. You can't eat that stuff. It'll kill you. God has made you a new person. Always remember that. Your source of nutrition has to come from a different place than it comes from in the world. They didn't know God. They don't know you. This is one of the great problems why we really have to be very careful in the friends we pick, the people we marry, and here's why. Because if you marry somebody or you have friendship in the world, first of all, they don't know God, and they really don't know what lights your fire. They really don't know what sustains you. And so the very thing that they're doing that gives them their identity won't do a thing for you. That's one of the reasons why I believe personally a backslidden Christian is never happy. And that is because you know the world is a lie. And yet, because we're selfish, we want to live our way, not in Jesus. And so we're miserable because we're really not walking in his love. And and we know that the world is a lie. Well, he says, beloved, now we are the children of God. It is not yet revealed what we shall be, but we know when, we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. What a glorious day that is. Someday, do you realize you're going to see Jesus? I like that. Someday you're going to see Jesus. I, I, I wonder, is today the day? I, coming to a church this morning when the guy was driving on the wrong side of the road, I thought, today I might see Jesus. And uh, I didn't have the victory when the guy was driving on the wrong side of the road. I mean, I, I slammed on the brakes, he slammed on the brakes, and it was one of those... No, I didn't hit him. He didn't hit me. But I don't think you could have put a postage stamp between the two cars. And I went... And you realize... Today could be the day you see Jesus. Now, I pray for all of you that God leaves you here a little bit longer. See, I I like to really share the, the gospel, the Bible with you, to equip you. And that way, when you're built up in the most holy faith, you realize that you are now a child of God, that you're going to be laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven that you're going to enjoy forever. I don't want anybody that I've ever ministered to to say, well, you know, I, I, I got to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Well, I'm glad you're in heaven, but I would rather see you all have rewards that are going to last forever. Everybody living today is determining what position you're going to hold forever in eternity. That's why every day is pretty important. I know a lot of us just say, oh, Lord, I'm tired of the fight. Just take me now. But God's got, no, I I got a lot of treasure for you to lay up for yourselves in heaven that you're going to enjoy forever. That's why I believe God does that. Now we are the children of God. That is so important because I think sometimes we forget that. And it says we're not exactly sure what we're going to be. 
But we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. You know, a lot of people wonder about this new body we're all going to get. And by the way, friends, the older I get, the more I know I need one. I slipped on the ice yesterday. I threw my back out. I'm hobbling along now. But I threw my back out. Um, (laughs) My wife says, well, that's what you get for wearing tennis shoes in the snow. But that's all right. That's what I do. Um, You know, I found tennis shoes aren't very waterproof either. But that's another whole topic. But we're going to get a new body. And people have often asked, what's that body going to be like? Well, the Bible says here, we're not exactly sure. Now, something to remember is John, the beloved disciple, saw Jesus' glorified body. He saw what it was, and I like that, because he saw Jesus eat food. I like food. In fact, I've shared this before. I don't care how high it flies. I don't care how fast it goes. How does it taste? I like food. Well, one of the things that I find about that is that we're going to get a body that still is tangible. In fact, he offered himself to Thomas. He says, here, put your fingers in the holes in my hand. Thrust your hand into the hole in my side. That must have been a pretty good spear wound when that Roman soldier chucked the spear into Jesus. And the Bible says blood and water came out. Many people believe that is speaking that Jesus' heart was so enlarged that he died of a broken heart, even more than suffocation. And we remember that when he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he could offer himself. He said, look, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a phantom. And yet Jesus vanished out of their sight. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus comes up behind these two guys. Hey, what are you guys so bummed out about? Well, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that hasn't heard what's gone on the last few days here? Uh, We'd hoped Jesus was going to be the Messiah and, and didn't turn out that way. And so the Bible says Jesus And them not knowing who he was, began to reason with them from Scripture in the Old Testament. That would have been one great sermon to have recorded. Who Jesus was, what he would do, how he would take away their sins. And it was getting late in the evening, and they were going to, they were uh, going to turn in for the night. Jesus acted like he was going to go on, and they bid him. They said, no, no, why don't you come and and have dinner with us tonight? And, and, And Jesus said, okay. And so as they turned in and they, the meal was served and he broke the bread, their eyes were open. Now, I don't know what opened their eyes. Maybe it was just disbelief that, well, when you're dead, you're dead. And there's not any much to get on about after that. But maybe it's when he broke the bread and they saw the holes in his hands. That's why he knew so much about the Bible. And the Bible says he vanished out of their sight. I like that. Imagine moms and dads, if you could do that with your kids. Just pop in, pop out. That'd be cool. Catch them doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Remember a story one time about, actually it was my niece. She, uh, her uh, kids got into felt tip markers, the, the permanent ones. And her kids decorated their whole living room with these on the upholstery and the sofas and everything. They had a train wreck on their hands. It'd been nice to just pop in and stop them from doing that. Well, the Bible says you're going to get a new body. 
It's not exactly sure what we're going to be, but John says we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him. John saw that body, that glorified body that Jesus had. And verse 3 says, And everyone, I pray you're part of that. If you're not born again, you're not part of the everyone. But if you're born again, you're part of the everyone. It says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You see, everyone has a decision to make. How are you going to be in your life? If you have this hope in Christ Jesus, you know you're going to be like him. And because of that, you want to not play on the wrong side of the fence. See, I don't have time to play on the wrong side of the fence. You don't have time to play on the wrong side of the fence. Every day is an opportunity for you to lay up treasure for yourself in heaven that's going to last forever. But then he says this in verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now the word commit here literally means living in sin. In other words, it's not commit sin like I blew it. It means that you're going out and practicing it. No Christian should be in the practice of sin. That's called willful disobedience. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty stiff warning from the Apostle Paul. We also find here John saying this, that who commits sin, that means living in it and loving it. Dangerous stuff if you're calling yourself a Christian. He says if you're living in sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. In other words, God changes our nature, opens our eyes to seeing the difference between the way we used to be and the way we are now. Again, the things that used to sustain us in our identity, and who we thought we were, you know, well, I drink this brand of beer, so I'm somebody. Really? I drive this kind of car, so I'm a somebody. In fact, you look and you see what people identify with that give them our identity. I have a Gucci purse. I'm a somebody. And you look at this and you realize how the world has manipulated all of humanity. Again, the advertising castle, Madison Avenue, Hollywood, all those things. If you don't have this, then you're a nobody. I look at that and I realize if you got Jesus, you got it all. I like that. I remember a story one time I was in Southern California at the Crab Cooker waiting in line, good place to eat. They tore the old building down. I guess they're building another one. But I was waiting in line, and I listened to these two guys talking. And uh, I guess it was a business date or something like that. They were talking about business. And pretty soon this guy says, yeah, he says, I saw this old guy out there in the parking lot, and he had an old coat on with holes in the sleeves, and, 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 and he was going through the thing, and he was kind of cleaning up, acted like he was cleaning up stuff, and I was going to run that guy off. 
The other guy says, glad you didn't do that. That's the owner of the company. He just goes out there and cleans up. This is something he likes to do. It's funny that sometimes people think because they don't do the Gucci world that there are nobody. And yet in this particular case, the guy was the owner. And it's funny how people perceive people. Now, people say today in our world, well, image is everything. You know, go for the gusto. You know, motivational ideas are what's going to make the difference. Let me tell you something. If God is your Lord, and I pray he is today, that is what's going to promote you in this world. The reason why, if you try to mix Christianity, well, you know, I'm what I am because Jesus died on the cross for me and I got a Gucci purse. Whoa. No, the one thing will make a difference. The other in eternity won't. And so we really want, again, how and what do we identify with now that we're Christians? And so this is what he's saying. Whoever commits sin, practices it regularly, really is living in sin. Now he goes on and he tells us, whoever abides in him, verse 6, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And what this means by sin, that doesn't mean that you you fall and skin your, your, your knees as a Christian sometimes. But it's saying, whoever practices sin, willful disobedience against God, as he says here, has not seen him nor known him. I really believe that. Because again, when we recognize that God does a supernatural change in us, that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Now that isn't options like, you know, do you want raised white letters on your new car tires? It's you must be born again. Why? You need a nature change. What is wrong with human beings is so dark, so bad, we need a whole entire new nature. That's what died. And the Bible says those that are not born again are in darkness and called the children of the devil. Pretty scary stuff. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Now, that's not saying that righteousness in itself will save you, but it's saying once you know who God is, and again, this is why he prefaces it. If you like to underline things in your Bible, you should underline this. Little children, let no one deceive you. He doesn't say this to the world. Otherwise, being a goody two-shoes would get you into heaven. But he's addressing little children, speaking of the children of God, that once you're a Christian, once you've accepted Christ as your Savior, those that practice righteousness, it's a reflection of who you are. You're righteous, just as he is righteous. By the way, where did we learn to be righteous? From him. How did we learn to be benevolent? From him. Again, you give what you got. That works all the way across the board in Christianity. If you have come to Christ, you can lead somebody to Christ. If you've been baptized, do you realize you can baptize somebody? If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can pray for somebody to receive the Holy Spirit. You realize what you receive from God and his truth and his word, you can give to somebody. 
But if you don't have God's word in your heart, then you can't give it because you don't know it. So this is what he's saying. Where did we learn to be righteous? We learned it from Jesus. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.